Mustafa and Ken here. Welcome back to the Alert Medic One podcast. Alert Medic One response. Does that work? good. Yeah, that's good. All right, we'll just turn it a little bit towards you. Yeah, perfect. And then try to talk into it with, like, the distance that I have. Right here? Uh, How close are you? Closer? Uh, yeah, that should be fine. Right there? Yeah. yeah. So, um, what made you get into the fire service? Uh, my dad was on a volunteer. Um, he was a fire chief in our local fire department, volunteer fire department. And uh, I grew up going to the fire station, so I just fell in love ever since then. Was he a career fireman, too, or no? He wasn't. He actually became a police officer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You don't see yeah. that very often. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have one full brother and then a bunch of half-siblings. Anyone in the fire service? No. Uh, my brother kind of dabbled in it. He just wasn't very interested, so. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone in public service at all or, like, any law enforcement? Uh, no. Besides my dad, who's now retired, uh, nobody else. Fair enough. In my family, yeah. So why don't you tell us who you are and where you come from, where you work? Yeah. Uh, Cody Vertico. I'm on Omaha Fire Department. I've got about... Oh, nine years in the fire service, uh, seven on Omaha. Uh, currently assigned to Rescue 33, um, which is our heavy rescue. So uh, we deal with all technical rescue and uh, hazardous materials incidents. So tell me more about your department. Well, uh, like, uh, how's it like organized? Is it like uh, what's well, a? It's so it's a municipal department, so it's probably not combination volunteer career. It's all probably all career. It's all right? career, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and then we do. We are EMS based. Um, so obviously 90% of our runs are EMS. Um, but yeah, we got about, oh, a little over 600, 600 career, um, firefighters on our department. And I mean, we're Omaha gets a bad reputation. Well, not a bad reputation, but Omaha has a reputation for being pretty small, um, being in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. But, uh, you know, we're, those are people from Nebraska. It's an up and coming city. Um, I mean, our Omaha metro population is reaching a million people, um, this year. So, um, it's definitely getting, getting bigger, growing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and so you said you guys are a primary EMS department. So do you have, you don't contract with a private company? You guys don't. Yeah. It's all EMS. Yep. And how does EMS work in Nevada up outside of this, your major city? Do you know, like how is, is it uh, primarily like volunteer, uh, like fire departments? Is it a combination career? Like how does that work? Uh, yeah. Nebraska being, uh, oh, I said Nevada. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. You're good. Uh, yeah. Besides Omaha and Lincoln, I mean, there's a lot of smaller, smaller, ta- smaller towns. Um, so a lot of smaller volunteer departments, um, we do have a couple private EMS, uh, but they're mostly hospital to hospital. Okay. Ho- yeah, basically yeah. that. Um, so I would say it's more smaller volunteer fire departments. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's kind of how it is in Maryland too. So we have, um, well, it really varies by county, right? Uh, yeah. We have, um, all, obviously, Baltimore City is 100% career. Mm-hmm. Um, where I started in Baltimore County is a combination volunteer and career. So, um I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a ton of value in volunteer fire, you know, fire and EMS, but, um, and we've talked about that on previous episodes with, uh, that we've recorded. So, um, talk to me about your journey through the fire service from the, uh, so you started as a volunteer. Uh, I actually didn't start as a volunteer, so I kind of took a different, um, path than most people. Um, 
so my path was after graduating uh, high school, I went to a uh, um, university and got my degree in emergency management. So I always knew I wanted a four-year degree, bachelor's degree before I really did anything. Um, so that was always my goal. So that's what I did. I went to the University of Nebraska at Omaha, got my degree in emergency management. And while going through classes there, I got my firefighter one certification, my hazardous materials certification, my EMT certification through the local community college. Um, got on a small um, part-time department just outside of Omaha. So I was able to kind of get my toes wet in the fire service while uh, still going to school. Um, and then after I graduated, I, I got, I was lucky. And the first time I took Omaha's test, I got hired. So I got hired. I graduated in May and I, um, was going through the Academy the following January. So, um, it all kind of just worked out perfect for me. Uh, I was very fortunate and lucky, um, in that sense. So while you were going full-time to school, uh, full-time as a, for emergency management, yep. you were going to community college for EMT and firefighter? Correct. So you were kind of doing more than full-time school? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would do all my classes during the day. Um, and then I tried uh, – EMT was all at night. So I took night classes for my EMT and then my firefighter won. Um, I just made it work around my schedule. Uh, luckily, part of the class was on Saturdays, so I was able to attend most of the classes. Do you have to pay for that? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Because in Maryland, uh, all, I mean, I could be wrong, but from my understanding, all firefighter training. Um, actually, I, I, I have to look into that. But like, so for I, I didn't have to pay for any of my training. You do have options to go to community college EMT, and my paramedic, I did have to go to com, um, uh, community college. Mm-hmm. But there are like fire academy options. Yeah. Um. So at least like Baltimore County, where I first started. Um, they used to have a paramedic program. Now they have like, a, I believe they still have a CRT program, which is like a cardiac rescue technician for whoever's listening and they don't know. It's like, kind of like the I-99 equivalent of, for national registry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting that you guys had fire at community colleges. I, I'm sure that's the, somewhere in Maryland. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I know it's diverse across the country too. Yeah. Um, so our local community college in Omaha, uh, Metro Community College is basically the only game in town anymore okay um it used to be there used to be a community college in lincoln that had a fire program iowa western had a fire program uno used to have a fire program um and those all uh they're all gone now. so if you join a volunteer fire department do you still have to pay for your own training no they if you join a volunteer they'll usually send you through all that okay so they so they contract with these schools um i don't know they have contracts they basically just pay for you to go to the Go okay. to the classes, attend the classes. Okay. And, and then is there like a service requirement? Usually, I don't believe so. Okay. I, usually once you commit to that volunteer fire department, usually they're pretty good about, okay, you need this certification. We're going to send you to it. Okay. Or they work with the state. And if a bunch of people within the volunteer need that certification, uh, the state will come in and hold the class for that specific volunteer department. Okay. So that way they don't have to go through a community college or anything like that. Um, so that's pretty cool. So university of Maryland has the, uh, so under university of Maryland, uh, there's the Maryland fire rescue Institute, which basically does all of the training for, um, fire related Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so when I first joined, we had to do like a rookie weekend, which had like first aid, you know, like CPR. Um, it had hazmat awareness, um, and then I actually never took hazmat ops. I just took hazmat tech. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, the, 
trying to remember. I think when I was, yeah, so it was definitely when I was a career paramedic with um, the rural county I was telling you about that I used to work with. Um, well, not, I guess some of it was rural. Yeah. I, I, it's not rural compared to like Western, you know, the, the, uh, near the, uh, just for, for Maryland, I feel like it's rural. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I went down to Anniston, Alabama, to the, uh, Alabama, to the Center for Domestic Preparedness to take my hazmat tech. I did um, the same class. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we talked about that. Yeah. 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 Great okay. program. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely definitely recommend it. I want to take other classes, too. Like, they have a like a hazmat technologies class, which is I like do. an investigation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, I took the meters and monitoring class. Highly recommend that class as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so at, you graduated. So, full-time school as an emergency management, for emergency management, uh, what, part-time school for fire, hazmat, and EMT. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about your experience with emergency management. What did, you, what did you think about that? Yeah, so it was it was interesting. It was definitely my first experience with anything with emergency management. It really opened my eyes to all that's involved. Um, and I feel like it helped me in the fire service because now I have a better understanding. Try talking to the mic. I have a, I have a better understanding of what really goes into um, the preparedness side of things, the response part of things. Um, I feel like it gives me a better sense of the all around. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I had no understanding of emergency management. I thought I did until I, you know, got my most recent gig and went through like uh, FEMA's emergency management basic academy, another good, great program I'd recommend anyone doing. And I was like, Oh man, there's like so much more to this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like today in class we were talking about like ESFs, like emergency support functions and, mm-hmm. I had no concept of that. I mean, you have an idea of like society functions a certain way, but you would never thought that there'd be, the, be the, or even the community lifelines things we were talking about, uh, that, that there's like a methodology and framework to, uh, you know, building resiliency and stuff like that. So what made you, did you always want to go to the fire service and you were, you were just trying to find a degree that was relevant or what made you? Yeah. So it's actually funny how it works. So I was originally going to do fire service management, okay, uh, but it was a gen ed degree and my advisor just, basically talked me into she's like if you get an emergency management degree and you minor in fire service management you at least get a bachelor's of science degree Mm, okay so she basically talked me into it and i was like yeah i mean i I minored in fire service management and criminal justice so i was always i'm always took the extra classes but um, that's kind of how that came about with the emergency management interesting all right so tell me about uh, fire academy tell me about your first few years on job yeah so uh my first couple years i was on that um part-time job and it was honestly amazing uh just being able to get the experience while going through school um it really helped me understand what the fire service was all about um it was a younger department they were originally volunteer and they hired part-time and then they were transitioning to full-time towards the end of when i left for omaha um so being there for Basically, all of it was very interesting to see, uh, very progressive department when it came to that, um, which was awesome. They were very into training, uh, great group of guys and girls, and uh, yeah, just enjoyed working with them. Um, as far as Omaha goes, uh, Omaha is awesome as well. Uh, went through the academy, uh, me and I think five or six others from Bellevue, the fire department that I um, came from all moved over to Omaha. So, um, we had a good group of guys that we kind of just, you know, we knew each other from the other fire department. We kind of hung out and, um, had a blast that first year of going through the Academy and then our candidate year. 
um, just getting that exposure to the bigger city, um, all the kinds of runs that, you know, they make that Bellevue's an older population. So the runs are a little different, but, uh, Bellevue's, it's not too small. Um, so it's, it's definitely a fun transition. Okay. Yeah. So what was your first assignment? Uh, first assignment was truck 31 in South Omaha. That was an eye opener for me. So I'm from a small town. I went to a small Catholic school. I went to UNO, which was, you know, very diverse. So that was where it first started um, opening my eyes to more um, diverse populations. And then I went to Bellevue. Um, but going to South Omaha, it was just, it really opened my eyes on the diverse population and, you know, Spanish speaking and all kinds of different, for, um, different, yeah, ethnic groups. So it was pretty pretty interesting to see. Um, and then after I was six months, I got moved to engine 42, which is a lot of apartment buildings and big, they get big fires out there. So, um, I had a good time. My first year I had great captains. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot from both of them. And you, you mentioned, uh, that, well, uh, two questions for you. So going back to what you said, Bellevue was the department. Uh, yeah. You said that you, uh, that they were progressive. What's your definition of progressive? I feel like they, have a goal in mind, um, and they're gonna take the necessary steps to get there. I feel like some departments, they're just okay with, you know, the moment. Status quo? Status quo, yeah, yeah. I just feel like, you know, things are going good, they're not really looking at the future, What's, what's the next move? Yeah, so, uh, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and says I'm gonna be, you know, stale. So what what do you think causes people to get into that rut yeah i think i think it's a combination of things i think you just get into a you just get into a groove and eventually you know some people might do things for so long that you they just need a break sure and then they never get out of that break you know they take a break and then they they kind of get into a rut and they're like you know why am i putting in this much effort when you know, nothing's going to happen or this person's not putting in this much effort. So why do I have to do this? And, um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so uh, what you're kind of talking about is like, even if you are a motivated individual, if there's a culture that's been cultivated with, uh, you know, of just like stale ideas or, um, not really any opportunity to, uh, you know, grow or, or whatever. I mean, you, you become jaded over time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had this conversation a lot on our fire department, you know, uh, some people put in so much effort and are just denied so many times that they just eventually it just becomes a point where you, it's just enough. So I think that, I think that's part of the issue. Um, I think they just, yeah, they just, are okay with what's going on within with right now, you know, the sure. status quo, like you said. Yeah. Is, and I mean, and, uh, and I don't want to take away from the fact that all of these are like, uh, multifaceted individuals, right? They also have a home life, absolutely. right? They're probably yeah. developing a family or, you know, trying to grow a family. They might have other issues at home. Uh, there's also mental health components of the job that, you know, uh, you know, maybe you're running, I don't know what, what shift do you guys work? Uh, so ours is, Ours is kind of odd. We do 24-hour shifts every other day for 10 days, and then we get six days off. So in total, it's 10 24-hour shifts a month. Wait a minute. So 24 on, 24 off, 24 on for how many? 24? For 10 days. 
Wow. Oh, so you, you work for five days. Five days. Yep. And then you get six days off. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, is that called something? I mean, I heard, I've heard of the Houston model, which is 24 on, 24 on. Well, sorry, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 5 off. So what's that model called? I, I honestly, I don't know if it has a name. Do you have any Kelly days? No. Okay. I, mean, no, I don't know. No, no, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. So it's just a, that continuous rotation. So I basically know my, if I stay on the same shift, I know my entire schedule for the rest of my career. How busy is your busiest medic unit? Uh, they're fairly busy to tell you i don't know the numbers off the top of my head but uh they're probably making 18 to 20 a day in a 24-hour shift in a 24-hour shift yeah. okay uh and they do the same schedule as you guys they do yeah so i mean uh man that's gotta be tough yeah there's there's a couple of them uh there's two or three in particular that they get hammered with calls yeah so yeah wow uh, uh, so I've worked 24 hours on a medic unit, yeah. on a busy medic unit. It's not fun. Yeah. Oh, no. It's not fun at all. And we run two medics, so it's we have to have two medics on the rigs. Um, we don't split it up where you have to have a medic and EMT. So basically, if you're assigned to the rig, you're, you're riding that You're running. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so all of your ambulances are dual paramedic? Yep, they are. Okay. Yep. Do you use any CRTs or like I-99s or anything like that, like an intermediate advanced life support person at all? No. no. Any um, advanced uh, EMTs? Uh, we have advanced EMTs. They're just not assigned to the rigs. Okay. What uh, Do they have like an advanced scope or like, are you an advanced EMT or? or I am EMT? not. No, okay. no, no. I'm just a EMTB. Uh-huh. Um, no, we just have a few. They actually got rid of that program. Okay. So um, there might be a handful on the job. They're allowed to give IVs. Yeah. yeah pushing yeah. drugs. Sure. Yeah. Are you allowed to do IVs as an EMTB? No, we're not. We, we have a program where uh, it depends on the jurisdiction, but they can be like IV trained so they can start IVs and give fluids. Yeah, that's nice. Um, what about glucometers? EMTs allowed to do glucometers? We are, yep. Okay, what about CPAP? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, yeah we can't do, well, I'm, I'm a paramedic, but BLS, you know, EMTs can't do CPAP. Uh, nebulizer treatments at all? It's okay. uh, we're we're yeah. able to give out butyrol, but not the duoneb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you can yeah, get yeah, we can give, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and do you guys have statewide protocols, or how did the protocols work? Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't even know. We That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, interesting. Okay, so when you go through EMT school, it's like, uh, I guess the curriculum is just what that college makes it. Yep. Okay. The reason I ask is because there's like a centralized EMT training mm-hmm. regulation in Maryland. So like you have to have uh, like a certain, it's a, a, like you have to have, I think we have like instructor one, instructor two, and then there's like a, like a board process. Like you have to like teach a class. I'm not 100% familiar with it, but yeah. you have to like student teach. And then it just so that there's the quality verification on the back end. Yeah. Um, they call it MICRB, um, which I couldn't tell you what that stands for um interesting okay so you um you you said what your first truck was you what in the south side of yep. omaha right then yep. where did you go uh engine 42 which is basically the middle of omaha okay yeah um a lot of apartment buildings um kind of a big area uh yeah they get they get some big fires out there so and then um so when did you make the jump to the rescue so basically right after my candidate year, I knew special rescue was, that was my dream. That was mm-hmm. my dream spot was the rescue unit in Omaha. So basically right after, uh, my candidate year, I started taking all the technical rescue classes. Um, and I 
once I got all those, I get, got them within a year, I believe. Once I got all those, I started running into the special operations units. So um, we have three stations in Omaha that are all special operations designated to respond to any technical rescue incidents. So started running into there and then uh, I've been assigned to the rescue for about a year and a half now. So a couple questions. When you say running into there for what do you, what does that mean? So you yeah. requested a, sh- a transfer? To so, the- so how it worked, everything kind of aligned perfectly for me in this situation. Um, so because I was new, I didn't have a s- spot. Okay. Um, so I was filling in for those that were out acting. If they're taking the captain's test, they oh. were out, or they were running into the medic unit. So I was filling in for someone else's spot. Okay. Uh, that they were filling another spot as well. So when you during your candidate year, you do not have a set assignment. During a candidate year, you do. After oh, you're, okay. You're it's called teed in. You're you have a spot, but you might not be there. You're basically just you're filling in for other people. Gotcha. Yeah. So when do you find out who you're filling? Like, what, where do you, when do you find out in an average day when you're working? That day of or what? Yeah, usually it's the day of. And then the night before your next shift, you usually, um, but they can move you. They'll move you. I was moved five times in one day. Fair enough. So yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, where the department needs to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, usually it's the night before you know where you're going. Um, if you're lucky, you're there at the same station for the entire set, the five days. Um, but it's all seniority based. So wherever they need you, you're filling in. And how big is the city? I mean, how long does it take to go from like one end to the other? Oh, uh, it's not long at all. Um, I can get, I live on one end of the city. Uh, and my station is on the complete opposite side of the city. I get there 20, 25 minutes. Oh, that's not bad yeah, at all. Not at all. And I'm talking to the guys in, from New York and they're talking like, you know, hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, we're pretty fortunate. Okay. Um, uh, you said it took you about a year to take all the rescue courses. Which ones are those? Yeah. So I took rope, Technician one and two, confined space technician, trench rescue technician, um, swift water technician, um, hazardous materials technician. Um, those are all the main core classes that you needed. Okay. And you need all those before you then apply to be on the, or like, how does that work? Yeah, uh, you don't really, it's not, you don't really apply. You just turn in all your certifications. And once you have all the modules completed, you're, you have that technician behind your name okay so then you're allowed to ride on the special is that a pay raise once you get the it technician? is yeah okay. it's yeah so, so even if you're not assigned to the unit you do get a pay raise once you're done with this it course. is yep it's a small pay raise and then if you're assigned to the unit it's even it's a bigger pay raise okay so. and um so oh what was i gonna ask you oh man i totally lost my train of thought so okay so you're on this rescue um, and then you get assigned to where you are. Correct. Which yep. is, which one? Rescue 33. Okay. And that's like the main. Uh, the, yeah, basically the, we, so it's the full time dedicated heavy rescue hazardous materials rig in Omaha. And then we have another that's cross staffed right now. Um, so they're on the engine for medical runs, but if a fire, or any technical rescue comes in, they jump over to another rescue. So. Do you have any uh, like paramedics, ALS providers on heavy rescue? I mean, or heavy pieces at all? So engines, rescues, anything like that? Yeah, well, uh, there's paramedics scattered all throughout the city. Uh, right now, I don't think there are any paramedics. There's one paramedic assigned on all three shifts. Um, he's currently out on light duty. But uh, yeah, there's one paramedic assigned to maybe, yeah, one or two. 
Okay. Between all three shifts. Okay. So talk to me about like, you know, once you got on the, this, like was what you said, rescue 33. Yeah. Right. I mean, what was your process through that? How did you know, how'd you grow? How'd you like it? Oh, love it. Uh, it's my passion. Um, and how long have you been on rescue 33? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was always my dream job. So I really wanted to prove to people I don't have as much time on as a lot of people that might want that spot. So I really wanted to prove to people, you know, my hard work, my dedication towards the special operations. Um, and I feel like a lot of people saw that when I was running into the rigs, when I didn't have a spot, sure. once I got my modules, um, I, it, it all, the stars aligned. Um, the one, the guy that was originally on the rig, ended up getting promoted and the spot opened up and it's just perfect timing. Um, so, you know, I'm very passionate about the special operations and technical rescue. So, uh, I try to, you know, make every day the best I can learn something new every day, take care of the rig, uh, do as much as I can. Um, because that's, it's my dream. So I want to make sure, you know, I'm, want to be there for a reason sure sure so uh i mean let's transition to that so it's your dream so i mean we've talked before so i guess we should probably tell people how we met so we are currently at the center for i mean chds center for homeland defense and security in monterey california we are both in the same cohort for their emergence program which uh which if you're listening and you're fire ems if you're emergency management if you're public health Pretty much anyone can apply, yeah. right? We have a DOD guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Air Force, um, a bunch of federal agencies, like yeah. three-letter agencies are with us. Yep. Yeah, it, great program. Uh, honestly, great is an understatement. Um, uh, not maligning any other educa- well, training program I've had, but this is truly an education program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I highly recommend. Uh, can't say enough great things about this program. And not a lot of people know about it. And it's, so they have an emergence program, which is like a younger person thing. I, I would may, I would say that maybe younger in their career because I, I, we definitely have older people in our group. Um, they have a master's degree, which is 18 months. Um, very intensive for what I hear. I didn't yeah. apply. Did you apply? I, I, did, I, I did not, I did not apply, apply no. either. I'm going to take a little break. Uh, um, same boat. <laughs> um, and then they have an executive leaders program. Uh, they have a radiation thing too, I think, and like a Pacific... Yeah, yeah, which the radiation that. thing sounds like down your alley. Uh, yeah, I've actually looked into it. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are. Um, I put so much time and effort this past year um, that I'm just, you know, taking a little break. Yeah, yeah. Spend some time with the wife and kids for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, I, uh, I got some of the stuff I want to do, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of reset the head and everything. And, uh, I mean, obviously with COVID and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm yeah. with you. But this has been amazing. Um I didn't really think this kind of education existed for us and uh, the fact that it's paid for and, you know, they make every effort to, you know, help you in any way possible. And even now we're part of this, we're in our last week of it and we graduate on Friday. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really amazing. So, uh, let's transition back to your, the rescue. So you, there, there, there's no rescue without a patient, right? So <laughs> tell, tell me about, uh, I want to talk, the goal of this, I mean, obviously you want to get a background on you and stuff, but, uh, I want to talk about, uh, you know, common pitfalls that maybe new EMTs, new paramedics make that they maybe, you know, they don't know what they don't know when it comes to rescue. So tell me more right, about right. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, we don't have any paramedics on the shift that I'm at, sure. you know, so we talk about patient and victim. So, uh, we always joke around that they're not a patient until they hit the stretcher. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then actually, I kind of looked up the definition, um, victim, you know, hurt, injured, uh, patient receiving medical treatment, sure. right? So my feeling at being on the rescue, since I'm not a paramedic, is being proficient in my job so where I can get this patient packaged or entrapped or whatever the situation is in a f- quick manner to where we can get them to paramedic, yeah, sure. paramedics as yeah. quickly as we can. You know, yeah. sometimes it works out where um, they're easily, easily accessible um, so we can send a paramedic in right away. They can start care. Um, but sometimes that's not the case. So, um, And I mean, I imagine that in a lot of your situations, like I'll be the first one to say, depending on the situation, it's not, I mean, I'm not adequately trained yeah absolutely to be in like i mean maybe a, a, if it's like a wreck like a bad wreck and i can make access through the back like if they're a driver mm-hmm. like i've had you know my ppe on and doing whatever or talking to the patient or whatever but uh, especially in terms of like confined space trench yeah. i mean you really don't want an uninitiated paramedic in there trying to do I mean, I hate to say it, I'll, I'll be the first one to say paramedics love to, you know, maybe play a little bit yeah, and uh, yeah. it may not be the time or place. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, you got to take care of yourself. Um, I understand that you, you want to make a difference, sure. um, but you're dealing with the hazardous environment, the IDLH environment. Um, so it's just, you know, there are some situations where I feel like paramedics, sending a paramedic in would absolutely be beneficial it just comes down to if they're confident and comfortable with the situation sure and uh, like you said uh, uh a situation dependent so uh just like within an active shooter situation you're you know you're not you know they talk about care under fire and then mm-hmm. there's like you know the, the uh, I, I i should know the the three uh uh care under fire care oh man i'm not going to remember this I, I don't remember the three but <laughs> basically like you're in immediate danger you may be in danger right and then uh there's no danger quote unquote uh, it's the same thing applies to the hazards that you all deal with on a day by day basis. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I, I, BLS before ALS too, right? Yeah. I mean, your EMT skills are way more important, you know, to get the basics done, uh, and, uh, you know, get, get out. So, uh, how do your, in Omaha, how do your, like your EMTs and your paramedics have to follow a certain protocol i imagine right yep yep so how does that work do you have like a medical director that like works with you guys for special rescue stuff or like how does that work yeah so we have um on each shift has an ems um paramedic shift supervisor um so they're kind of our next go-to um and then after him we have a uh medical director so any questions that paramedics may have do you does your medical director come out on calls uh he might do a ride along every once in a while, but he, okay. he's usually he's based in the hospital, so he doesn't really he doesn't really come out too much. So he's a so he's not like a full time fire department employee. He like works in the hospital and then also has an added duty. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's I I don't think there are any full time medical directors that I know of in Maryland apart from the state flight. I mean, obviously the state EMS medical director uh, and the flight the air medical director. Yeah. Um, there might be. I I just can't think of any. Yeah, I I can't think of any in. Yeah, and I I really can't think of any in the U.S. I mean, maybe in like Minnesota or or Pittsburgh or something like that, where there's like full time, like what they do is pre hospital medicine, like the European model. Yeah, um, which is interesting in itself. Um, So yeah, I mean, let's expand on the the rescue. So uh, I imagine you talk me through a a rescue, an example of a rescue. Not let's not go into any specifics with any patients, but. Uh, say you are dispatched to a, 
maybe it's a, a utility company that has a trench collapse, mm-hmm. right? So talk me through about what you're thinking about, what you're hearing, what, you know, what you're talking with your crew about as you're, as you're, you know, proceeding with the call. Yeah. I mean, scene safety is obviously number one. Um, you want to make sure you and your crew are safe. Um, it's always in the back of my head. One thing I pride myself on being very proficient in my job. Sure. Um, and I'm not afraid to use my resources. You know, we have all kinds of resources. The take hazmat for instance, you're not going to be able to remember everything, you know? Yeah. So use all the apps that you have, Sure. Use, you know, you have other means. Yeah. Um, so using all your resources to make sure that you are doing everything you can, um, to make this environment better for the person that you're trying to, sure. trying to get to. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you're, you're thinking about like maybe in their dispatch information, there's a, um, what is it? What's the four letter number that like you look up in an ERG, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking oh, about, yeah, right? like, like uh, the placard number or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, say you have that, I mean, so that's good. Right. So if you have that, say there's a trench or a collapse and there's like a husband uh, included in like, as you're arriving on scene, what, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah. I mean, what? Are there going to be secondary collapses? Are there what material do we need to start shoring this trench? Okay. Um, what other yeah? What other resources are we going to need? That's always big. Um, if we don't have the resources right then and there, it's important to you know call for them as soon as you can because there's going to be a delay, right? Sure. So um, now, are there resources that your rescue unit does not have? Like, cause you are the rescue, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as trench goes, we have a few pieces of lumber on our rig, but, um, not enough for shoring up a trench or anything like that. Maybe a small trench, but, um, if it's a significant size, um, we have a couple of trench trailers, um, that carry lumber and paratech and stuff like that. So, um, we have other resources that we can call. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as our rescue, so that's actually kind of, my project for our program that we're going through sure. um, is creating what I call an hour rig. So having all the resources necessary to be able to run an incident, be self-sufficient for an incident for one hour. Now, do you also serve as the hazmat unit or is it a dedicated hazmat? We unit? do. Yep. Okay. So in Omaha, um, it is a hazmat and heavy rescue unit. So okay. we do hazmat as well. Cause some places do like separate, separate. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Um, and, uh, so you arrive on scene, right? You've confirmed, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're not even seeing the casualty, right? right? right maybe right. they're completely entrenched. You yep. have bystanders or whatever. Um, how, and you say it's like a complete collapse. Like, how do you even begin to start? I mean, uh, this is going to be dumb, but like, I don't know where to start no. digging. Like, how does that work? Hopefully, hopefully there's someone there that witnessed it and they can kind of tell you hey he was working in this area sure um so you can get an idea of where they were um hopefully most of the i wouldn't say most of the times but hopefully they're just buried up to maybe their chest so okay you can still kind of see them and start working to shore up that trench and start digging them out um but yeah hope i mean there's just so much that goes into these inst- um goes into this you know um i always use the paramedics on our job they have if they have a question you know they can go to their medical director or their shift supervisor sure whereas us as a rescue we don't have anyone else you know we're the yeah. last people to come so mm-hmm. um that's why it's very important to be proficient in your job which is why i take pride in it and just 
you know, sizing up the scene, getting as much information as you can from those people that were at the scene that can tell you, hey, he was working in this area or she was working in this area. Um, kind of what happened. Um, you know, any equipment they were using, lockout, tag out. You know, sure. There's, there's so much that goes into it. That Yeah. So talk to me about being proficient. How do you educate? How do you train? How do you how do you stay proficient in uh, those low frequency, high risk scenarios? Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is where I'm very passionate about. So we talk about you know how do you become proficient? Um, one um, training. Okay? Sure. That's a big one. Um, and then two, how much experience you have, right? Well, what happens when you can't get that experience because runs are going down? They don't happen all the time. You know, mm-hmm. you have to fill that gap with training. So, um, training's super important. I make it my mission every single shift to learn something new. Um, you know, base basics are, you know, we, the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. Um, they're going to take you a long way, but not every incident is going to be able to, you know, the basics aren't going to be able to use on every incident. So uh, oh yeah, of course, yeah, you yeah. know, building upon the basics, Um, I think that's what a lot of people, that's what I struggle with the most is that some people are okay with maybe not even knowing the basics, Mm -hmm. you know, they take the class one time and then they never touch any of the equipment again, you know, and then we go and do training and we have to do the basics all over again. Mm -hmm. Whereas the people that have stayed up with the basics, they train, they want to, try new things, you know, sure. maybe this works a different way. Maybe this works better. Um, so staying up on training, trying new things, um, what works better, this might work better than this. And yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they want to, you know, that become comfortable, you know? Yeah. Everyone, I feel like more people are worried about making lunch sometimes and, you know, sitting in the recliner, which there's days for that, but mm-hmm. you know, this is our job. So. Yeah. So on average, how many, like, I mean, how many runs are you, do you have in a 24 hour shift? Uh, on the rescue. So obviously high frequent or high, um, risk, low frequency, uh, maybe three, three, four. Uh, now you, on and, average. and we should clarify, you are a dedicated rescue. You Correct. do not get we dispatched not to anything it. else. No EMS runs. Yep. Dedicated yep. rescue. And well, you get dispatched to working fires or, Yep. Yep. So, uh, we're the RIT team on every working fire. Um, wait, 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 hold on. So interesting. Okay. So as say there's smoke showing, like as soon as somebody does, shows up, does a BIR, uh, and they say it, they, I imagine they have to upgrade to a working alarm. Right. And then you get hit then, or like, how does that work? Yeah. So d- depending on the dispatch, if they send out an alarm right away, you know, for a fire, um, we'll get sent sent on the initial alarm, um, and the crew show up, and it's nothing, and we obviously get canceled. Sure. But, um, that's typically how it works. Um, we're the designated RIT team. Um, RIT is Rapid Intervention Task RIT, Force for RIT, people that yeah, don't know that. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, so we basically know, unless it's in our area um, where we can perform search. Um, we don't have any water, so we can't do anything with that. But um, we can perform search if it's in our area. You know, anyone can be RIT. I think that's another thing that. It's kind of misunderstood. Sure, yeah. In the fire yeah. service. You know, we have RIT teams, but um, I believe the statistic now is only it's either 6 or 11% of the people that um, trap firefighters are saved by the RIT team. Okay. But majority of the time, they're going to be saved by the people inside. So, 
Um, that's why I feel it as far as RIT goes, you got you know, you got to be proactive, not reactive. Where, where do we pull for that statistic? Uh, project May Day is, they came out with a lot of statistics. They, okay. yeah, that's a very good study. Okay. Highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, um, how do you practice your RIT procedures? Yeah. So, uh, cause that's a very, I mean, uh, I, I know nothing about firefighting, but I mean, I, I, uh, Sometimes it's like the what is it the fourth arriving engine or whatever engine you know yeah. depends on your SOP yeah. but uh, yeah. standard operating procedure but yeah so yeah tell me more about it yeah so I feel like less is more sometimes when okay. it comes to RIT so coming dealing with the down firefighter packaging a down firefighter right so you have all these different wraps and slings and all this stuff but if you really take the time to really think about it doing it in the dark with gloves on you know are you really going to be able to do that in a proficient amount of time and to be able well, to do that, yeah, you I don't know? know. So, yeah. I mean, again, situation dependent, training yeah, dependent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, for me, I feel like less is more. Um, I found ways that work for me to where I feel like I can um, kind of package the down firefighter in a quick amount of time without using too much equipment, you know, too much webbing, um, and then just, just pull them out. Um, practice, you know, as far as, down firefighter in a basement, um, down firefighter on a second floor, um, reaching out to other departments and seeing what they do. Um, I believe that's huge. That's what I love about this class is what the amount of access to the different people we have now from this class is just amazing. Oh yeah. Um, I've already, I mean, even before we're done with this class, I've already reached out to people that have been in this program been in the master's program and it's just, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, Reaching out to other departments, see what they're doing. You know, you're not going to have the answers for everything. Um, that's where it goes back to something might work better than the other. Um, how does this department do it? How does that department do it? Trying both ways or trying as many ways as you can to see what works for you and what you think is, you know, most efficient. Sure, sure. Um, so where do you, I mean, where do you see yourself going? And I mean, because you're, this is your dream. You, yeah. I mean, for lack of a better term, you kind of made it, right? So yeah. obviously, you know, you got a whole career still in front of you. I mean, how old are you? Yeah, I'm 29. Yeah, so how how long is your retirement or until you retired? Uh, 30, 25 years? Yeah, I got about 23 years left. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I got you got a whole time. career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so what do you, uh, I mean, what are your immediate goals? Or, I mean, so I know in class they talk about 30, 60, 90, but like, uh, I mean, I don't know, what's your 5, 10, 15 year thing? You know, I'm still, before I got on the job, I always said I didn't want to take, I didn't want to promote until I got at least 10 years on. Okay. Right? I wanted to have that experience, um, be a good firefighter before I promote to a captain, you know. So, do you have lieutenants? Uh, we do not have lieutenants. Okay. It's just, you know, firefighter, FAE, uh, captain, battalion. Fire chief. apparatus engineer? That's correct. Okay. Um, I don't have any ambition to be a driver. Um, my next step is probably captain, but... I don't, I'm, yeah, not, eight in, years I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not sure. in a hurry. You know, I always want, I want to live in the moment. You know, I feel like that's where I kind of, I kind of feel like I rushed myself, you know, growing up. Like I had this dream. I want to take it all in. You yeah. know, I don't want to, now that I have it, okay, what's the next step? Like I have steps in mind that I want to take. Um, as far as the rescue goes, I want to stay in this spot for a few years and, you know, really take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on our Nebraska task force team, our rescue. Sure. Um, so I, I think I want to focus on, 
you know, taking more classes from other people. That's one thing on our department. We are always teaching ourselves, but we're not really taking in any other information from other departments all the time. Um, so I really want to go out and study from the way other fire departments do things, different sure. task force do things, um, you know, and really hone on that craft. Mm-hmm. Sure, 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 sure. Do you, um, do you, uh, so you really want to improve on the, the, the rescue side of, do, uh, yeah. of things. Yeah. Any, any other like career, like degree things you want to approach like academic? Yeah. Oh level? yeah. I'm always looking for different classes. Yeah. Um, I think as far as classes go, I think now that I'm done with, or almost done with this program, I should say, um, we mentioned taking that break, but then taking more rescue classes, like I just mentioned, um, more certifications when it comes to rescue. So what's um, offered? I mean, what else is there? You know, there's different, like Ronin offers different classes. CMC offers different classes. Like and these rec- are all companies of equipment, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, rescue the Rescuer from Ronin. That's on my bucket list to do. Um, you know, we don't, on Omaha, we don't have all the resources to do all the, you know, all the stuff these companies have. So just, sure, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, just experiencing what these other other um, guys and girls are going through, the different, you know, whether it's packaging techniques or setting up the um, Arizona Vortex or, you know. What's the Arizona Vortex? <laughs> it's an advanced high-directional system, so uh, being able to create a high point. I did a uh, Z-Rig once. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a start. There you go. If you have enough manpower, it works great. Yeah, well, I mean, it was for a class. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing you're never going to be a paramedic. Um, I don't know yet. Okay. I haven't I haven't completely crossed it off. Um, it's just, I, uh, my fear is that if I get my paramedic, I'm going to get run off the rescue rig, which is what I don't want to is happen. That, oh, so that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, and again, we're going to, that's a shame. I mean, yeah. it's not a shame because you do what's best for the department, right. but it's a shame because if you get, if you have a guy that's in, I'll tell you what, I joined the fire department for the medicine, mm-hmm. right? Like I, uh, wasn't doing too hot at university of Maryland, Baltimore County, which is UMBC, which is where I started. And, uh, I was working part time as a pharmacy technician. And, uh, I was, I was lost, honestly, I, I needed something and I knew I needed something to yeah. like kind of strain my life out. And, um, I made a spontaneous decision. I said, I'm going to join the closest volunteer fire department. That was, that was the volunteer department I joined, you know, and, um, became an EMT by that August. So January, 2014, I joined, um, August, 2014, I became an EMT, uh, and loved every second of it. Um, became a paramedic, well, started paramedic school, April of 2015, uh, which kind of speaks to like the experience part of it. Um, but there were minimum requirements I had to meet for that program, yeah, like call requirements and like time on like as a volunteer requirement. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can see how, I mean, for me, my passion, I mean, although I do enjoy the firefighting side, um, I joined for the medical side. And uh, so my logical next step was paramedic, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I can imagine if that's what your passion is, you'd be hesitant to move away from it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I don't know what the components of your department, but rarely have I talked to someone that is like a rescue uh, for lack of a better term, a rescue geek like you, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and we need younger people that are uh, passionate about stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, on our department specifically, I'm sure it's like this everywhere, but we have a big generational gap right now where there's going to be a lot of um, 
experience leaving in the next Ooh, couple of years. Institutional knowledge, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's why I want to stay where I am for a little while. Sure. So hopefully, you know, because I'm, I'm an instructor at our local community college, so I feel like I can provide some of that information. Um, of course. Yeah. And I mean, you can be the conduit, right? I mean, we were talking about it earlier in class. I forget what the example was. Oh, no, yeah, we were talking about to you, about the grant, you know, the grant stuff. Grant, but like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The it's important to be that person, right? To be the conduit of uh, between generations, or be receptive of the older. I mean, I, I hate to say, it, but I know. I mean, I'm 28, so you're 29. Like, there are some people that like to dismiss the people that have been doing the job. And yeah, I always absolutely. say, if they've been on a truck for 30 years, whether it's a fire engine, whether it's a truck, whether it's a medic unit, a medic unit. I mean, I'm I'm biased, but a, an ambulance for 30 years in a busy jurisdiction. Yeah. You got a lot to learn from them people. Yep. Experience is right. everything. Yeah. Like what I always say is there is no, no matter how much experience you have, there's no way you're going to have the book knowledge, but vice versa as well. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much book knowledge you have. Uh, you, there's no replacement for experience. And it's a, it's a marriage of both that yeah. creates the best clinician or best rescue tech or, you know, best fireman. And again, I'm not a fire, you know, I, I'm, I have fire one. I, I don't consider myself a fireman, mm-hmm. right? I'm definitely not a rescue person, but I, I am a paramedic. Right. Uh, and that's like really important to me. And that's something I try to stress with my students as well. Um, you know, some of my students have ambitions to be physicians and stuff like that. What I tell them, I say, listen, pay attention now because when you are on an ambulance, and you show up to someone's house, they do not care that you're doing this for patient care hours. Right. Right. They do not care that you're doing this for a resume builder. Yeah. Uh, their mom is dying or their kid is dying or someone's dying. Uh, and it might be the worst moment of their life. Right. And you, you got to show up because there's no 912. Yeah. Right. And I imagine that you take that uh, uh, the same way for even lower frequency, high risk stuff like, like rescue assignments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing you see is, you know, someone might become a paramedic or they might get their special operations modules um, and they do it for the money, you know, um, or they do it for the certain perks. You know, I don't, I don't. Are there promotional requirements for y'all? Like they have to be a certain thing to promote? Because some departments do, like you have to be a paramedic to promote. No, we don't have any of that. Uh, we do have paramed- We have a few paramedic or uh, captains on paramedic units now. Um, so for those, obviously, you have to be a paramedic. But sure, um, nothing as far as promotions go. Okay. So, um, but you know, I just feel like some people do it for the wrong reason. You know, and so if you do it for the wrong reason, you're not going to be passionate about it. So you're not, you know, for patient care. Yeah. You, know? you do it for the money. You're not going to provide the best patient care you probably can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, you got to do it for the right reasons. That's why. I, but let me flip that on you, though. Yeah. What if they? I mean, what if that's the only way they can? I mean, I'm not defending this at all. No. Right. But what I'm saying is, in a system where that's the financial incentive, aren't? It, shouldn't we be blaming the system a little bit too, not I, the individual? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah. Abs- I, absolutely. Because, like, uh, I mean, especially in places that may mandate paramedic, and again, I have no opinion on this one way or the other. I'm just, you know, stating what my perception is. Uh, obviously to a point there's a service that has to be delivered, right? Because we have 100%. a duty to our, we, you know, whether it's by statute or whatever we have, we are uh, by regulation, by mandate, whatever, by charter, we have a, we have a requirement to our citizens and a responsibility to our citizens. So a service has to get done. Like that medic unit has to get out the door. Um, but if we are getting to the point where we're forcing people that don't want to do it to do it, we should be looking at ourselves and figuring out what we can do to be better. And I'll tell you what, listen, man, 
I have, a, and I've talked about this before, it's a hard job. And we got to start treating our people better too. 100% agree. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I mean, we've had conversations on this podcast. We had two, uh, um, two captains on from Maryland who, and you should go listen to it. It's a peer support, uh, pearls, or I forget the title, yeah. um, from Baltimore County and Arundel County in, in, in Maryland, uh, that we, we had a great discussion, but we were talking about like, uh, I, you can't really have a conversation about resiliency if you're not going to talk about how you're going to improve it if you, if you perceive a lack of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, how, do, how does that work for you guys? Do you have like a peer support team? How does that work? Yeah, we do have a peer support team. Um, I feel like now more people are kind of utilizing it, you know, before it was kind of deal with it. Oh, even you know? in 2014, I mean, CISM things, so CISM is critical incident stress management. Mm-hmm. Uh, peer support is self-explanatory. Uh, I mean, I, I want, I've talked about this before. One of the worst calls of my life uh, was kind of forced into a CISM thing, which ended up kind of making things worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Voluntold, I should say, into a CSM thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like more people are kind of open to, you know, obviously you don't want to be forced into the situation, but if you want to go on your own, that's definitely, yeah. you know, yeah. go talk about and it. And I think people yeah. are way more receptive of it. Now, are you, are you IAFF? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cause I know they have resources as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if the thing in Maryland is a national thing, but there's like a, there's like a mental health treatment thing in yeah, there is. In, yep. in Maryland. It's national, yeah. It is a national yeah, thing? Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool that they picked Maryland for that. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, I mean, they would fly somebody even out from the West Coast for that. Mm-hmm. And that's all on, that's paid for by your dues? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay. I think it's all paid for. Okay. It's important. It is. I mean, it's very it, important. Yeah. How did COVID affect your operations? Um, it really... It really hurt our paramedics, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, like everywhere around. Um, for me specifically, being on the rescue, I mean, we don't make any med runs. Sure. So, yeah. you know, besides wearing a mask on a, you know, vehicle accident, mm-hmm. um, it really didn't affect us too much. Mine is station life, you know, um, walking in one door, mm-hmm. you know, out the other, all kinds of stuff. But as far as, that i mean wearing a mask was basically the only thing that we had to do but for our paramedics i mean you could tell people are just getting burned out you know having to gown up every time mm-hmm. and, you know just become this long process decon after every patient yeah it's just yeah i mean i i tell you what i still uh, maybe people are talking about it, i haven't heard of it. there was a lot of like psychological trauma that a lot of people experience and we're going to be we have to have to have to do a good job i think this is the most important period now i mean we're not out of it yeah right and emerging infectious diseases will continue to be an issue yep i mean as of today's recording monkeypox is an issue right other stuff um but yeah we're uh, we're gonna have this is a this is a generation altering thing i mean this is similar into the obviously to the uh the great influenza right in the teens uh 19 teens and then uh, any other major event um yeah what do you think um in terms of so there's this term that i learned in the volunteer to fire department is this concept of uh constructive dissatisfaction what does that mean constantly be questioning how you can be doing better so you as a rescue practitioner I know you said you want to do training and stuff like that, but what, what if you were to take on that uh, 
mentality, what are some things you wish you would be doing better or things that you think you can improve on as a, as a practitioner of rescue? Because uh, I'm going to call it rescue medicine, right? Because that's what it is. I mean, yeah. you, you, there, there's, like we said, like there's a victim, there's a patient. And like, so what can you be doing better? Find it, I feel like finding my weaknesses, you know. Um, I'm lucky on my shift, on my rig, you know, we have four different people that are good at, you know, four different things. Sure. You know, so learning from the other guys. Um, this guy might be good with the power tools. This guy might be good with ropes. This guy might be good with, um, you know, the confined space, setting up mm-hmm. different systems, you know. Um, so just learning from other guys and like I mentioned before, learning from other people. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of departments, they get into just teaching themselves, which works, but you're never learning, you know, what might work better from other people. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finding your weaknesses um, and just building on those basics, you know. Um, but I try and learn from, you know, I'm obviously not the senior guy on our rig, so learn from the senior guy. Our captain is awesome. Um I'm very fortunate to where he takes advice, not advice, but he takes the, how do I word this? Um, Input? Yes, there we go. Thank you. He takes input from everybody on his rig, right? He's in charge, but he takes input input from everyone. Sure. So there might be different opinions, but if we can all come together, Mm -hmm. you know, here it is. Sure. Yeah. Tell me about a time where you thought you knew what to do and you were wrong. Um, not specific patient stuff, please. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I mean, I've been wrong many times in my career, but, um, I think coming back from the radiation class in, uh, Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. You know, I've heard that's an awesome class. Oh, amazing. I want to take it. It, Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you made a lot of cool people out there. Um, you know, I like to talk about the five-year firefighter where <laughs> you have five years on the job and then you just think you know everything. Yeah. You know, I was I was there at one point and it's kind of like the cycle of education or learning where you, at some point you just think you know everything mm-hmm. until you mess up and then you're like, I don't know anything. We've talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect on the yeah. show. Have you heard of it? Like the Dunning-Kruger effect? That's what I you're describing. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I was at that point. I took this class. I'm like, oh. I'm squared away, you know, on, uh, when it comes to, uh, radiation. So I came back, decided to write up a class, um, and gave the school to our special operations members on our, on our shift. Well, I, I messed up one part and one of our captains on the special operations, the other special operations rig, um, he was in the Navy. Um, and that's what he did was radiation. Mm. He's like, you know what? He's like, this isn't right. You know, you got to change it. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was right because I just got done with the class, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, oh, I just got done with the class. You know, I just made the school for everybody. Here you go. Um, he called me out, which I'm glad he did. Um, I went back, looked at my notes, looked at everything in the class, my resources. And I, yeah, yeah, you're right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, taking responsibility for that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you're Everyone's going to mess up. That's how you learn, right? Of course, yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's also a, a good thing. I mean, because you took initiative. Yeah. And you took a, and you wrote a class. I mean, that's not something everybody does. Would you recommend that if you were to do that again, try to tap into the institutional knowledge and couple that with the what you learned to make that class? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think another thing I could have done was, you know, get input from other people. You know, sure. if they've taken this, the other classes before, like, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wanted to take initiative and come up with this class. Um, but getting input from other people, I think, is very important. Of course. You know? Well, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I, I remember I was riding that Dunning-Kruger curve pretty high uh, until I had my first tube, and that was crushing. Yeah. I mean, first, excuse me, first missed tube. I mean, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. And it was one of the worst uh, experiences I had, and that led to some time of, you know, a lot of self-reflection and stuff like that. I mean, I, mean, I would argue that this podcast was born out of at least partially my desire to learn more. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the podcast was, I mean, it's just a vehicle for me to learn more. Yeah. Right. Cause it, uh, I mean, it's cool. Cause I get to talk to cool people like you, but also like it forces me to do research and it helps me keep, keep myself on my toes. Um, because you really don't know. I mean, that we've had, I mean, guys like you, right. I mean, there's, uh, many people may not even have an interaction with the rescue squad in their department, depending on how big of a department it is. Right. Uh, on a conversational level, I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, no, so you're absolutely right. I mean, seeking out opportunities to learn what you, you know, what you don't know, what strategies do you think you'll use to try to retain that institutional knowledge? Uh, it's hard to say. I just stay motivated, you know, always have, always learn something new every day. Sure. That's, that's always my goal. Try and learn something new every day. You know, um, if you learn, if you get better, what is it? One percent every day, you sure become one hundred and ten percent. And I guess I meant more so, like you said, you have a lot of people retiring. How do you? Yeah. I mean, do you guys have a? Um, I mean, I don't think an SOP would an SOP be appropriate for. Like, do you have any like? I mean, I, this is this is a dumb question, maybe, but like, do you? Get, we have like protocols, right? Yeah. So, like, do you guys have? protocols that's i know it's not the same thing yeah. I, i'm not trying to call it a protocol no, no. But, but like i mean i don't know guides written by senior people so that's the thing we don't have any no we don't have official documents that say you know you gotta do this you gotta do that you know yeah. usually, and i and i know that's not practical for your what you do right, i'm just saying like situation dictates yeah but like i'm sure there's some common things or even i mean i don't know something yeah some way um, to keep that knowledge I don't know. Yeah, I don't absolutely. Know. And this is why I think it's important to learn from other people, you know, yeah. other departments, because otherwise we're just going to keep teaching the same things to ourselves, you know, yeah. Yeah, getting yeah. outside knowledge. So, but I would argue that there is still knowledge to be saved in your department. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and like, absolutely. And I mean, uh, and what I guess what I'm trying to say is I wonder if there's utility in some sort of like learning management system or something like that. And you may already have that. Uh, then, and then you can tap into your senior folks, right. And be mm-hmm. like, Hey, listen, I got, I'm a probie. I mean, I know you're not a probie, but like, you know, I'm a new guy. We got a bunch of probies coming. Would you be interested in like, maybe it could be a podcast. Maybe it could be a video thing, right? Maybe it's yeah. something that like, uh, um, and maybe that, uh, cause you never know how, how that might help. Yeah. Right. I mean, one of the, one of my paramedic instructors was a, a flight paramedic, retired flight paramedic. And man, I'll tell you what, that guy, uh, will, probably have forgotten more than I've ever learned. Yeah. Right. And that, that guy, uh, I mean, he he's very formative in my, uh, growth as a clinician. Um, but that's what, I mean, a lot of it was like stuff that he ended up developing himself, like training and stuff just so that when he was out, uh, he still had that stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for this class that we're in, uh, my submission to get accepted into this program was creating a training curriculum for within our special operations program. So, um, I think that's something I'm 
Let's take uh, a pause because there's an aircraft that's uh, running over us. Yeah. What people should know is we're right next. Is was it Monterey Airport? I mean, probably. Yeah. I don't Naval think it's Academy. A, so yeah. Oh. I don't know. Do they actually fly down here? No, 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 no. I don't think it's no. It's private. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they do here. I don't know, but I know for those aircraft are private aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. So your project to uh, submit. To the oh, free application to the CHDS. Yeah, I was, yeah, uh, was creating a training curriculum. So uh, I think after I take this little break, spend some time with the wife and kids, I think uh, that might be my next my next goal. So just so everyone has kind of an understanding, you know, yeah, here it is. Do you have a current learning management system where you guys keep track of certifications and stuff? And maybe it's not the same thing, but yeah. Uh, tell you the truth i'm not really 100 percent sure so uh, when you graduated from whatever training yeah who got the certificate yeah so we send them to our secretary she kind of keeps them in our folder personal folder oh so there's not like a you don't upload it yourself to anything no we send it to our through the chain of command okay and then once yeah send okay. them to the secretary she folders them and like in a paper folder yeah okay cool no yeah. i'm not no I, I, that's all I'm not, yeah i don't know okay cool what else what am i missing out of the rescue world. What do you wish a paramedic knew that they, you feel like they don't know? Or an EMT? Uh, EMTs are important. Absolutely. Yeah, BLS saves lives. Nah, BLS saves paramedics too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, just being able to, we always give each other crap, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's yeah. part of the job. It's, yeah. It's fun. Of course. Um, but everyone's important. Yeah. You know, everyone has yeah. that role. Yeah. You know, find something you're passionate about. Yeah. You know, listen, I've had, I've had EMTs save my ass when I got too bogged down in details. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it takes a good EMT to say, Hey man, we got beef feet. You can play, but you got to play while we're moving. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, now I use that. Um, and I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not in full-time field anymore. Right. And we've, we've talked about like what yeah. I do now, yeah. but, uh, yeah, man, of course, of course. And that's been a common theme BLS before ALS. There's a reason it's not like, I don't like to use the analogy of a ladder, right, with BLS or ALS, because it's not, it's not like you're, you're just building on the basics, but the basics are still the foundation. Right, absolutely. Same, right. What yeah. we just talked about over the rescue. You yeah. Know? You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have the basics down, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter if you can dose some weird drug, right? If your patient doesn't have an airway, yeah, you're shot. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, and especially when it comes to the situations that you guys deal with. Right. Um, when I think of rescue, I think vehicle stuff, but there's obviously so much stuff out there. Oh yeah. Well, uh, tell, talk to me. I mean, we work getting close. I mean, how long do you think we've been recording? I couldn't even tell you. An hour and seven minutes. Really? Yeah. It doesn't feel like that. Told you time flies. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll just finish it out. Any, any other comments you have? Anything? I do appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. No pearls of advice. No, find something you're passionate about. You know, stick with it. You might have to speak in there. Oh, say that again. I said, find something you're passionate about. Stick with it. You stick know, with it. Put in the time and effort. You cool. Know, learn something new every day. Cool. We'll do this again in five years. We'll see where. Yeah, you're perfect. At. Cool, buddy. Thanks I'll so much. It. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to the Alert Medic One podcast, the premier emergency medical services podcast, with your hosts Mustafa Sadiq and Ken Sanner. 